welcome to the Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Onion Radio News, Counterspin, The Daily Show, The Young Turks, and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. There's only a few days left until September 30th when the nomination process for this year's podcast awards ends. Please visit bestoftheleftpodcast.com for all the details on how to nominate the show. The danger to our country is grave. The danger to our country is growing. The Iraqi regime possesses biological and chemical weapons. Weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction. Nuclear weapons. Weapons of mass destruction. Well, our people are going to find out the truth, and the truth will say that this intelligence is good intelligence, no doubt in my mind. There are a lot of people who lie and get away with it, and uh, that's just a fact. destruction got to be somewhere <laughs> nope no weapons over there president bush has talked about our staying in iraq for 50 years maybe 100 there's no doubt john mccain is going to be a war president can anybody see john mccain as sort of a peacetime calvin coolidge president it's preposterous his whole career is wrapped up in the military national security he's in putin's face he's threatening the iranians we're going to be in iraq a hundred years the bush administration has built a new generation of nuclear weapons that we call usable nukes and they have a nuclear you know posture now which permits the preemptive use of nuclear weapons in a non-nuclear environment if the commander-in-chief deems U.S. forces to be at significant risk. If we start bombing Iran, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to work. Bomb Iran? <laughs> bomb, bomb, bomb. <laughs> anyway. Uh... My concern is that we will use nuclear weapons to break the backbone of Iranian resistance, and it may not work. But what it will do is this, it will unleash the nuclear genie. And so for all those Americans out there tonight who say, you know what, taking on Iran's a good thing. My friends, I know how to handle the Iranians, and I'll handle them. And if we use nuclear weapons, the genie ain't going back in the bottle until an American city is taken out by an Islamic weapon in retaliation. So tell me, you want to go to war with Iran, pick your city. Pick your city. Tell me which one you want gone. Seattle, L.A., Boston, New York, Miami. Pick one, because at least one's going. And that's something we should all think about before we march down this path of insanity, 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 insanity. The truth is that in national security terms, he's largely untested and untried. John McCain, this is what you're talking about. He's never been responsible for policy formulation. He's never had leadership in a crisis or in anything larger than his own element on an aircraft carrier or in managing his own congressional staff. It's not clear that this is going to be the strong suit that he thinks it is. McCain's weakness is that it's always been for the use of force, force and more force. In my experience, the only time to use force is as a last resort. When he talks about throwing Russia out of the G8 and makes ditties about bombing Iran, he betrays a disrespect for the office of the presidency. And I'm sorry to tell you that we're going to be in further wars. And we were in two wars today combating it, and there are other places in the world where we may have to. These young people that are in this crowd, my friends, I'm going to be asking you to serve. There's going to be more wars. There's going to be more wars. We're in a greater struggle that is going to be with us for the rest of this century. It's a tough war we're in. It's not going to be over right away. There's going to be other wars. I'm sorry to tell you, there's going to be other wars.
He will make Cheney look like Gandhi. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. So you can get what we had here last week, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets I don't like it. mysterious zipper is spotted on the back of McCain's neck. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Political observers reported seeing a kind of zipper on the back of Republican presidential contender John McCain's neck today. Photographs clearly depicting the zipper are being called, quote, dirty tricks by McCain staffers, though questions remain about today's sighting. Washington Post reporter Dale Marquist. This new development, uh, coupled with his inability to raise his arms above his head, have led many to speculate that he's uh, some sort of dolphin man in a full-size McCain bodysuit. This just in, a spokesman for the McCain campaign has now admitted there is indeed a zipper, but its only function is for the occasional release of hornets. Doyle Redland for The Onion, Radio News. just a former network anchor or ponderer of the greatest generation. He's the current host of NBC's Sunday talk show, Meet the Press, and a frequent analyst on NBC and MSNBC. So it was striking to hear Brokaw offer advice to Democratic politicians during their convention and troubling to hear what that advice consisted of. Before Hillary Clinton's speech to the delegates, Brokaw weighed in, quote, she'll be tough on John McCain, but he is her friend and you have to be careful about how you go after an American Vietnam War icon, really. Close quote. The next day, Brokaw was on MSNBC, telling Chris Matthews that for Bill Clinton, and in his words, anyone in the Democratic Party for that matter, it would be a tricky case to criticize McCain because, after all, quote, when John McCain was sitting in a prison in Hanoi, Bill Clinton was writing letters to his ROTC commander and trying to get out of the draft. Close quote. Brokaw went on to suggest that the Democratic Party as a whole, quote, still has a long way to go to win the confidence of Vietnam veterans, close quote, and should therefore think twice about criticizing McCain. Now, viewers who'd missed the speeches might have been led by all this to imagine that either Hillary or Bill Clinton or anyone had, in fact, criticized McCain's Vietnam experience. But that wasn't the case. Brokaw's advice appeared to be prescriptive and seemed to stretch beyond McCain's military record to any criticisms about the candidate, leading one to wonder, how careful does the host think Democrats have to be in challenging their opponent in an election? And does the same hand 
Randolph advice apply to Republicans? In his response to Fair on the matter, Brokaw suggested the complaint was unfounded because his comments had come before Senator Clinton and President Clinton's speeches, though it's unclear why that would matter, and in the case of his remarks to Matthews, it's unclear how it could be true, given that he was responding to the question of what he had made of Bill Clinton's speech. comprehensive energy policy six years into the war on terror they promised us a path to energy independence and finally a couple of weeks ago they said it. how about we just look under Florida <laughs> what idiot arugula eating communist <laughs> told us that we couldn't drill there in the first place oh right <laughs> Back in 1990, George Herbert Walker Bush, no relation, signed an executive order banning offshore drilling as environmentally unsound. You know what I can't help but think of whenever I see him? You know what's funny? We used to hate that guy. Remember when we were worried that he was screwing up the country? His presidency seems so cute now. But... If daddy wants one thing, not gonna do it. <laughs> but if your daddy wants one thing, you know Oedipus wants the opposite. <laughs> Luckily, ooh, all the mythology students are freaking out. <laughs> Luckily, the two presidential candidates aren't fighting the drilling demon. Let, let me say a couple things about drilling. Number one, this will have no impact on gas prices right now. With those resources, which would take years to develop, it would only postpone or temporarily relieve our dependency on fossil fuels. Fossil fuels? You know, um, <laughs> I did this with the word telegraph last week, so I'm going to go ahead and put fossil on the list of words McCain should probably never use. Pretty sad, you'll see contraption and dagnabbit. <laughs> so both presidential candidates saying drilling is not the answer. But that was months ago. A simpler time. People left their doors unlocked. On a Friday night, they take their best girls in the Studebaker down to the malt shop. Gas was only $3.69 a gallon. <laughs> Times have changed. We need to drill here, and we need to drill now. You know you're standing inside, right? <laughs> so. It's a label factory in Pennsylvania. You just hit the basement. <laughs> Go ahead, drill. The administration's own Department of Energy says the effects of drilling now wouldn't even be felt until 2030. Unless we could somehow whittle that figure down. It's clear that it, it's going to uh, take somewhere between four and six years before the, the time they start drilling till the time we actually get that gasoline in our tank. Two to four years is at a conservative estimate. It would take two or three years before it got into the U.S. market. Within Obama two years. Oil company executives say that it could be as short a time as one to two years. I've talked to people in the business who say that within a year and a half they can have oil. To increase our oil supply in a matter of months. 
Drilling offshore has already saved us. Cyborgs from the future have been sent here to drill offshore to prevent Osama bin Laden from killing John Connor. Have sex with them and become your own grandfather. Nice cave, McCain. Obama, scold him. I understand that uh, Senator McCain may have looked at the polls and said, you know, people might buy drilling or they might buy a gas tax holiday. My job is not to go with the polls. Yeah, just because 70% of people favor drilling in polls doesn't mean Obama's going to include it in his energy plan. It does include a limited amount of new offshore drilling. Damn! <laughs> did not see that coming. And I was in rehearsal, and I did not see that coming. <laughs> to be fair, Obama released an energy plan that included a comprehensive list of national and personal tactics to combat the crisis, touching on everything from investing in alternative energy to turning off your lights to making sure your tires are inflated. Which one will the news pick up on? Barack Obama said, you know, we can cure a lot of these woes by just checking our tire pressure. Now they're, you know, talking about tire pressure gauges. The tire gauge. Inflating our tires? Well, yes. My opponent doesn't want to drill. He doesn't want nuclear power. He wants you to inflate your tires. He's a queer! <laughs> this is America! If I'm gonna inflate my tires, I'm gonna inflate them with oil! <laughs> Be like driving on a waterbed. Senator McCain took his message of ending our dependence on oil to the annual Sturgis Motorcycle Rally and Crystal Meth Olympics in South Dakota. As you may know, not long ago, a couple of hundred thousand Berliners made a lot of noise for my opponent. I'll take the roar of 50,000 Harleys any day, any day, my friend. Any day that we're not locked in a global battle with oil-producing terrorist states. You guys are actually being quite wasteful right now. You're, you're making things worse. But for some reason, they just kept with the vroom vroom. This is my first time here, but I recognize that sound. It's the sound of freedom. No, it's the sound of money being funneled to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Luckily, many in the audience soon ran out of freedom juice, and McCain was able to continue. I was looking at the Sturgis schedule and noticed that you have a beauty pageant, and so I encouraged Cindy to compete. Beauty pageant. So what do you guys do? Get Mario Lopez to host? And uh, the girls do a little evening gown thing? Do we have any footage of the contest from years past? Yeah, go, go, Buffalo style. Hey, come on, guys, make some noise. Yeah, Mikey, you like the banana show? probably didn't recognize the last lady in the sunglasses. It was former First Lady Rosalind Carter. Um, <laughs> so you can imagine that was a talent competition. It's quite a spectacle. So to sum up, tuning up your cars and keeping your tires inflated is unbelievably gay and only encourages the terrorists. But stationary yet still roaring engines combined with alcohol-fueled banana oral sex demonstrations are... You're the heart and soul of America. <laughs> By the way, after all that, this is what McCain said yesterday. Quote... Senator Obama a couple of days ago said that we all ought to inflate our tires, and I don't disagree with that. The American Automobile Association strongly recommends it. <laughs> Adding...
As we've talked about on Counterspin for years, the media often voice a strong preference for the politics of the middle, a cautious centrism that blurs whatever distinctions exist between the major parties. On September 6th, the Washington Post ran a piece about how this is happening in the presidential campaign. As the Post put it, both campaigns are shifting away from the partisan messages aimed at the party faithful and, quote, back toward the political center, where both hope to find the votes they need for victory this fall, close quote. Well, the rest of the Post article, though, would suggest otherwise, at least for the Republican candidates. John McCain is quoted saying emphatically that Barack Obama will raise taxes and eliminate jobs. Sarah Palin is quoted reprising her convention attacks on community organizing, which the Post dubbed smiling sarcasm. Well, that actually sounds like the same old partisan campaigning, none of it particularly centrist. But one can never underestimate the media's ability to hear what they want to hear. The day after this article ran, Post columnist David Broder wrote stirring words about McCain's military tradition and high patriotism. Broder added, quote, McCain, like the heroes of FDR's and Truman's time, disdains partisanship and searches for the national interest wherever he can find it, close quote. Well, this would be an odd thing to right, given the incredibly negative and cynical campaign McCain is waging against Obama, writing it after the GOP convention, which featured primetime speeches devoted to extreme partisanship, makes Broder's point all the weirder. Or perhaps it's not really that weird at all. Much of the corporate press have long championed McCain's maverick sensibilities, and they're not about to abandon that image of him, even if McCain himself already has. I dread it's only days, so I'll meet you at the cemetery gates Keats and Yates are on your side I dread it's only days, so I'll meet you at the cemetery gates Keats and Yates are on your side Wild, wild is on mine So we go inside and we gravely read the stones All those people, all those lives, where are they now? With love and hate and passions just like mine They were born and then they lived and then they died Seems so unfair, I want to cry You sir, throws the sun down, salutation to the dawn And you claim these words as your own But I've read well and I've heard them said A hundred times, maybe less, maybe but there's one thing that is clear, and David Gergen on ABC This Week nailed it. It is this issue of painting overall the image of Barack Obama as uppity. Now that is an image that has been uh, consistent for many decades and almost centuries now in the United States. When a black man is successful, he's uppity. And David Gergen says, hey, listen, especially in the South where I grew up, this is a clear message. And they're sending a message to those people, don't elect this guy, he's one of these uppity fellows. You know what, let me let him explain it. Here's Gergen on ABC This Week. I think that Donna's got a point here. Everybody knows he's black, but there has been a very intentional effort to paint him as somebody outside the mainstream other. He's not Mostly one of us. He's below the radar screen. I, I think the McCain campaign has been has been scrupulous about not directly saying it, but it's the subtext of this campaign. Everybody knows that. And when they send, there are certain kind of signals. As a, as, a, as a native of the South, I can tell you when you see the, the Charlton Heston ad, the one, that that's code for he's uppity. He ought to stay in his place. You know, we everybody gets that who's from, uh, you know, a southern background. We all understand that. When McCain comes out and starts talking about affirmative action, I'm against quotas. We get what that's about. We understand where that's going from. He was asked. Yes. <laughs> I understand that, but I'm just telling you, that gets across. And so it's not unfair for him to sort of bring up the fact, hey, everybody knows and, I'm black, let me talk about it. George, that may be his only strategy, just as, as McCain may, may be following the only strategy he can follow. A lot of studies have been done where if race is sort of up front, 
and it confronted directly, voters would be more likely to accept the idea of a black candidate. But if it's if it's submerged, they can vote their prejudice or fears. Maybe we're missing the point, which is that race, I believe, probably gets them three votes for every vote. If it's overt, I think but that's right. Beyond that, what uh, an awful lot of the other that he represents is the windsurfer. It's John Kerry. The crowning, crashing irony of this year is that the first African-American president to be uh, nominated by a major party has the weakness of being too upper crust. That is, he's Columbia University, he's Harvard Law School, he is just not a regular and Again, that, that is another way of, of putting him down when God, look, frankly, my parents were just happy that we got out of high school and went to college, and now all of a sudden you go to Harvard, you're uppity. Well, my God. Look, I think Senator Obama has tried to have a healthy conversation around race. He's tried to even um, help others to understand how to have this conversation, but it is the elephant in the room, and I think he has to continue to gently discuss it without raising the racial animus that George mentioned that will cause whites to be alienated and cause a backlash. Yeah, you know what? I hated George Will's point. I think it is a dumb, dumb, dumb point. And George Will, I think he's too smart to not recognize how dumb that is. I mean, look at George Will making a point about how Barack Obama is upper crust in his frickin' bow tie. George frickin' Will whose whole persona is, look at me, I'm a nerd, I'm so smart, I wear a bow tie, telling me Barack Obama is an elitist, right? First of all, what, it's wrong to go to Columbia University? You must be kidding, man. I busted my ass to get to Columbia, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I love it. Hey, you know what, George? I went to Columbia University. Screw you, okay? What, what, now, what, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to pretend to be dumb? I'm supposed to go to a bad school so I can appeal to George frickin' Will and his bow tie so I can seem more real? Are dumber people more real than smarter people? That is so stupid. What George Will is telling you is that we should elect dumber presidents like George W. Bush. Well, we tried that for eight years. It didn't work out too well. Can you imagine Abraham Lincoln's running? And he's winning those debates, the amazing debates that they had before those elections. And they're like, well, Lincoln did win, but being so smart, does that make him an elitist? Well, he was born in a log cabin. I, I know, but he turned out to be brilliant anyway. And by the way, that is almost exactly what they're saying about Barack Obama. Yeah, he might have been born poor, and his father might have been a Kenyan father, a Kenyan immigrant, and his mom might have been from Kansas and really humble roots. But he did work hard and accomplish something and proved that he was smart by going to Columbia and Harvard, so let's hold it against him. And Donna Priscilla's right. You can't have it either way. Either all blacks aren't successful in this country, they're just living off of welfare and that's how they are. You know how blacks are. Or, oh, look at this black guy. Went to Columbia and Harvard. Right. And now he wants to represent the common man. Upper crust elitist. Well, how the hell are they supposed to win? It's a lose-lose proposition. They set the rules so you can't win. And they shouldn't, in that round table there, they should not take George Will's argument with any degree of seriousness. They should have batted it right back in his face and say, hey, look, George, you made these similar arguments before 2000 where you told us to pick an idiot like George W. Bush, and look at where it got us. Now, you don't even agree with George W. Bush anymore. How about we try picking someone smart instead? And ultimately, Gergen is right. This is an, an attempt to, with a wink and a nod, to tell some of the voters, especially in the South, but in other places as well, hey, don't elect this uppity Negro who thinks he's as good as you are by going to better colleges than you. Well, he's not as good as you are. He's better. He went to better colleges. He's smarter. And you know what? We should pick someone who is smarter than us to be our president, to be our leader. We should pick the best and the brightest. Not the best connected and the dumbest, like George W. Bush. And by the way, here I'm going a little further, and John McCain. You know John McCain's an idiot? Nobody ever talks about this, okay? But it's absolutely true. He finished 894th out of a class of 899 in the Naval Academy. Five from the bottom. And like George W. Bush, well, how did he get away with it? And he became he got one of the best coveted spots as a 
fighter pilot. How did he do that, finishing the bottom five of his class? Because his dad was an admiral, and his grandfather was an admiral. Like George W. Bush, he was born on third base, and thought he hit a triple. And so he comes in, and he gets his uh, best possible positions, and what does he do with it? He crashes five planes. You're not allowed to talk about it because John McCain's a war hero. Don't upset the myth-making machine of the media. Hush up, right? Well, I'm not going to hush up. I'm going to tell you. John McCain is not bright. John McCain got everything he ever uh, got in life because his family was connected. And John McCain was a failure. He, not just at Annapolis, not just in crashing all those planes, but also in the Senate where he didn't fix energy. He didn't do any of the things that he blames Washington for. You were in Washington for 26 long years. How come you didn't do anything about it? And in his support for all the failed policies of George W. Bush, Hurricane Katrina, what was happened on the first day? John McCain and George Bush were literally eating cake together, celebrating John McCain's birthday on a tarmac. Later, John McCain comes out and says, uh, if I was president, I would have gotten, gotten to a tarmac, gotten on a plane, and gotten to her, uh, deal with Hurricane Katrina. You were on a tarmac, and you were eating cake with the president. Why didn't you send him on his way? In his support of all the failed policies of this administration, John McCain is a failure. And when he says, oh, by the way, let me tell you something. Uh, I don't know much about the economy and uh, all that stuff, but I'm trying to read Alan Greenspan's book. You know what he's telling you? He's saying, I spent 26 years in Washington. I'm 71 years old, and I never bothered to learn about the economy. And that is an amazing fact. That's something that Barack Obama should put in every commercial until all Americans say, all right, uh, ease up off the old man. The poor son of a bitch doesn't know anything about the economy. I got it already. He has admitted on three different occasions that he is not good in economic issues. You think that might be a weakness when you're running for president? Look, the Democrats always apologize for being smart. Don't apologize for it. Mock them. Say these people are not bright enough to lead the country. And look at what happened in the last eight years. Isn't it time that we pick the best and the brightest? If I was president, I get elected on Friday, assassinated on Saturday, buried on Sunday. If I was president, if I was president, a old man told me instead of spending billions on the war, we can use some of that money in the ghetto. I'm so poor When it rains that's when they shower Scream and fight the power That's when the vulture devour If I was president I'd get elected on Friday Assassinated on Saturday Buried on Sunday If I was president The Washington Post on August 10th ran a story headlined, Obama tax plan would balloon deficit, analysis finds. Actually, though, the analysis in question by the Tax Policy Center finds that Obama's plan would bring in $80 billion more a year in taxes compared to the current tax policies. That's not exactly ballooning the deficit. However, if you don't compare it to current Bush administration policies, but instead consider future changes that are currently written into tax law, then Obama does indeed increase the deficit by about $340 billion a year. That's because Obama says he wants to renew some, but not all, of the Bush tax cuts that by current law will expire at the end of the year 2010. Should you use current tax rates or current tax law as the standard? You can make a case either way, but the Post tries to have it both ways, writing that Democrats' choices are, quote, keep the tax cuts and run up the deficit, or keep the money and raise taxes, close quote. Well, if current rates are the basis for comparison, then you're not increasing the deficit by repassing the tax cuts. And if current law is the basis, then you're not raising taxes by keeping tax law unchanged. But putting it that way would not make it a wrenching choice that has bedeviled Democrats, as the Post puts it. Well, you might ask, where's John McCain in all this? The article mentions in passing that compared to current tax law, McCain would increase the deficit by about $160 billion more a year than Obama. 
And the article doesn't mention that compared to current tax rates, McCain would decrease revenues, whereas Obama would increase them. Somehow, though, the headline becomes Obama ballooning the deficit, with McCain getting a pass. Here we go. Here is your first quote. We don't sleep much. What I've had to do is, in the middle of the night, put down the blackberries and pick up the breast pump. That was somebody talking to People magazine recently about her busy lifestyle as a governor, mother, and now candidate for national office. Who is it? Sarah Palin. Yes, Sarah Palin. Most Americans outside Alaska have been trying to get to know Governor Palin since John McCain put her on his ticket last Friday. And to summarize what we have found out so far, imagine, if you will, Marge Gunderson from the movie Fargo starring in the TV show Northern Exposure, except this time she's played by Tina Fey, and her daughter is Jamie Lynn Spears. <laughs> now, <laughs> Governor Palin, showing remarkable restraint, remained silent during a five-day-long media feeding frenzy, and then came out on Wednesday and delivered a barn burner of a speech, defining herself, praising McCain, and disparaging Barack Obama, seemed like the opening shot in a new culture war, especially when Ms. Palin ended the speech right there in the XL Energy Center by killing and expertly field-dressing an ACLU member. <laughs> uh, tremendous. Used everything but the squeal. So you were there, Mo, weren't you? I was. I was in, at both conventions, and during the RNC for Sarah Palin's speech, I sat right next to all those hockey moms, the Michigan delegation. They yeah. all had jerseys. And when she did that whole pit bull lipstick line... Yeah, the I difference mean, between a hockey mom and a pit bull. Lipstick. Li yeah. That's right. They went berserk. And i got to say, it was, it was a pretty amazing performance. But the highlight for me at the end was when the kids came on stage. Piper, Willow, Bristol, Levi, really the whole cast of Wasilla 90210. 99910. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, and, then, and then, of course, like the mean old guy that runs the diner, who's now running for president. Yes, exactly. Too. <laughs> now, now, Levi was there. Levi, of course, is the young man who, um, in the biblical sense, came to know um, <laughs> Ms. Palin's daughter and is now uh, her fiancé. What was interesting was all we knew about him was his MySpace picture in which he looked, as he himself said, like a redneck. Right. And now he was, all, he was all nicely cleaned up. Do you think that was his own suit or do you well, think that was provided yeah. Hey, hey, look, he's the Jonas brother gone bad. I mean, <laughs> I mean every, it, everyone's fascinated with Levi. I mean, you could just see him up on stage there, though, wearing the suit, going, ah, got to get out of this monkey suit, back under the ice. And, and Bristol saying, Levi, this is really important to my mom. Don't make a scene. I'm telling you, everyone's going to be watching this on the CW. Yeah. All right, Trish, speaking of Governor Palin, your next quote is from somebody defending her foreign policy credentials. She's the commander of the Alaska National Guard. Alaska is right next to Russia. She understands that. So who is apparently ready to leave America in the charge of the former commander of the Alaska National Guard in case he kicks the bucket while in office? John McCain. Yes, also known as Sarah Palin's running mate. <laughs> <laughs> with his selection of Governor Palin, just days after his first in-depth conversation with her, McCain introduced via action, finally, the theme of his presidential campaign. And that theme could be summarized this way. John McCain, he's crazy, but it just might work. <laughs> 
McCain and his wife Cindy actually both floated the idea that she has foreign policy expertise based on the fact that Alaska is near Russia. Also near that, Canada, I mean. They said that with a straight face. That is a little like saying that because I am standing right now next to Lake Michigan, I am a catfish. You know what's gotten very little coverage is all of the potential candidates uh, that were overlooked. Uh, for example, a girl named Stephanie, uh, who did a year in Italy as a part of uh, her foreign exchange program. Mm -hmm. Well, and I might, I might point out my, my own mother, who raised six children, um, all high needs, I might add. <laughs> I have a friend. Just, well, I mean, the fact that she's passed away three years ago, I don't think should be an issue. I mean, what are they going to do, play the death card on it? <laughs> and here's, here's something that um, I think a lot of people are going to be saying over the next few weeks, which is we need to stop talking about Sarah Palin and get back to the other guy. In his acceptance speech on Thursday evening, in contrast to the young and experienced Barack Obama, McCain offered the country his age, his wisdom, his toughness, and his aggressive response to just about everything. A McCain presidency, he said, will say to other nations, in effect, the world is our lawn, and you kids better get off it. <laughs> All right, Trish, here is your last quote. He looked like a man in exile, or uh, maybe a quarantine leper. That was Michael Crowley of the New Republic commenting on someone who surprisingly only appeared via satellite at the convention of his own party. Who? President Bush. President Bush, yes. So if you want to make it onto the stage of your own party's convention, don't bother winning two presidential elections and leading your party for eight years. That's not going to cut it, no. You should just knock up the governor of Alaska's teenage daughter. That'll get you there. <laughs> Using Hurricane Gustav as an excuse, I'm sorry, reason, to stay in Washington away from St. Paul and having dispatched Dick Cheney to Central Asia, almost literally as far away as he could possibly be, <laughs> President Bush's role at the RNC was reduced to an eight-minute-long satellite appearance. Worse than that, once the screen went dark, he became an unperson. Nobody talked about the Republican president of the United States. Nobody mentioned his name. And perhaps the surest sign that the GOP is doing its best to distance itself from the president, and this is true, in the text of Governor Palin's speech, which she read off the teleprompter, the word nuclear was spelled out phonetically so that she, at long last, would pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Well, that, that, that at least has changed. Yes, that's, that, that's the change that we can believe in. John McCain's pick for running mate of Alaska Governor Sarah Palin, an opponent of abortion rights, gay rights, and gun control, seemed a fairly overt effort to placate the Republican Party base. Not so for pundits and reporters, fully committed as they are to the storyline of McCain as a fiercely independent politician, forever breaking with his party. The day after the announcement, a Washington Post headline declared, With Pick, McCain Reclaims His Maverick Image. The following day, a Post subhead 
was fellow Maverick survived McCain's thorough vetting process, aides say. On NBC's Chris Matthews show, reporter Nora O'Donnell asserted, quote, he's trying to recapture the Maverick label, close quote. Fellow panelist Howard Feynman of Newsweek weighed in, quote, sure, it's risky, but he had to shake things up. And as his top advisor told me, this is a Maverick picking a Maverick, close quote. O'Donnell later added, quote, all the headlines in the papers were Maverick chooses Maverick. McCain couldn't be happier with the headlines the day after, close quote. On NBC's Meet the Press, reporter Andrea Mitchell showcased the disengagement of that ubiquitous term from any general understood meaning. She first explained that with the Palin pick, McCain has returned to the original John McCain, the Maverick. But her explanation was actually evidence of the opposite. She explained that McCain had wanted to nominate Senator Joe Lieberman, but that was shot down by the conservative base. In other words, in case you missed it, for the corporate press, John McCain is a maverick just because he's John McCain. You say you wonder your own land. But when I think about it, I don't see how you can. I guess there was a bit of a financial hiccup today with the collapse of the banks. Uh, funny story, you know all that money that we've been giving to the banks? They don't have it anymore. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, completely gone. Like, we were giving it to them, and we're all like, oh, you know, we're going to need that later uh, for food and stuff. And, uh, and then the banks are all like, it's cool with us. Don't worry about a thing. We're just going to... But you know what? I don't care. I don't care there's no banks or no southern coast of the United States. And let me tell you why. I'm in love. Mankind may be heading for a cold, cold winter, but it is still springtime in my heart. Do you want to meet her? Today, in the park near my house, I killed an animal for her. Please think I'm a man. Why do I love her? She's a reformer. Like when the government wanted to give her this $223 million bridge to nowhere. I told the Congress, thanks, but no thanks. She's so polite. <laughs> now I know that her detractors will say that she actually supported the bridge until it became a political albatross and ended up keeping a lot of the money for it anyway, or that she claimed to have visited Iraq when she really didn't, or that she didn't really sell that plane on eBay, or that she left the town she was mayor of, nearly $20 million in debt, and that she made sure that women that were raped in her town were charged for their rape kits. The point is, yeah, 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 that's true. The point is this, shut up. Because you don't, you don't, speak date in order to get to know somebody. 
You speed date to make sure you're not talking to a dude. I mean, look how she handles uh, Geppetto here from the folksy, from the folksy woodcarver network. Do you agree with the Bush doctrine? In what respect, Charlie? The Bush, well, what, do you, what do you interpret it to be? His worldview? No, the Bush doctrine enunciated September 2002 before the Iraq war. Yeah, whatever, Charlie. <laughs> do you know what the Bush doctrine is? I don't think Bush knows what the Bush doctrine is. The point is this, she doesn't need to know the Bush doctrine. She is the Bush doctrine. Her foreign policy experience, her foreign policy experience consists of being able to see Russia from an island in Alaska and a refueling layover in Ireland. Now that might give some people who were asked to be vice president pause, but we have a word for those kinds of people communists. I answered him yes because I have the confidence in that readiness and knowing that you can't blink. You have to be wired in a way of being so committed to the mission, the mission that we're on, reform of this country and victory in the war. You can't blink. So I didn't blink then even when asked to run as his running mate. Total certainty would be such a refreshing change of pace in the White House. <laughs> Of course, not blinking, not blinking at a promotion. Settle down. Not blinking at a promotion is easy. Who, who, who blinks at a promotion? What will her eyelids do in the face of terror? In order to stop Islamic extremists, those terrorists who would seek to destroy America and our allies, we must do whatever it takes, and we must not blink. Yeah! We're gonna freak out them terrorists with our no blinking. <laughs> Come and get me, Mustafa! I, I was going to, to bomb them, and then all of a sudden uh, I noticed uh, they weren't blinking. Uh, must have been 12 minutes. Uh, really freaky. <laughs> she really is bringing a fresh new idea to this presidential season. This mighty nation will not blink. I can assure you I am not going to blink. Either we defend freedom so that our children and grandchildren can grow up in a peaceful world, or we blink. And if we blink, the rest of the world will blink as well. If we're blinking, then they're blinking. Everybody's blinking. Here's what I'm saying. And then if everybody's blinking, everybody's eyes are going up and down like a strobe light. And if we're blinking like that, then all the terrorists are going to look like robots. Here, here, there, try it. Everybody out there, blink real quick. Are you blinking? Are you doing it? I order you as your commander-in-chief to blink. Do I look like a robot? I only got five more months to go, yeah! Look, I know this is, I'm gonna come out with something right now. I know this is going to be an unpopular thing to say, but I'm gonna say it right here, right now. Am I the only one who believes that blinking is actually healthy? I feel it clears out irritants of the eye. Keeps, keeps them hydrated. Now, of course, we all know that John McCain has said that as governor, Sarah Palin requested no earmarks. Turns out it's almost true. He, uh, <laughs> the senator was only off by $453 million. Governor, this year, requested $3.2 for researching the genetics of harbor seals, money to study the mating habits of crabs. $3.2 million to watch crabs do it? I gotta tell you. I could go down to Canal Street right now, get a video of that for like five bucks. <laughs> Not only that, I did. <laughs> Yesterday. Didn't even know it would be on the show today. I just thought I was getting a Dark Knight bootleg. <laughs> and, uh, turned, out to, uh, turned out to be crab porn. <laughs> Same guy's gotten me like 11 times. Guess I should have known by the cover.
Anyway, for those of you who would like to hear more explanations from Sarah Palin, sit tight. There are some rules. You can't just go talking to her all willy-nilly, right? McCain campaign chair Rick Davis. She will do interviews, but she'll do them on the time, terms and conditions of which the campaign decides that it's ready to do it. At which point in time we feel like the news media is going to treat her with some level of respect and deference. Yes, deference. She'll talk to the press as soon as they stop asking her questions. You might have been reading about uh, Barack Obama's new uh, attacks against John McCain and how uh, he's mocking the idea of change. And I read those things, and you were thinking, "Hey, John, uh, Jenk, why are you all upset about uh, Obama not attacking? He is. He's doing the best he can. The press just isn't covering it, right? In fact, I'm going to show. We're going to play a clip for you right now. And you're going to think, "Hey, that's not bad. That's what Jenk was talking about." And then I'm going to tell you why it's not quite right. Okay? Why he's missing a critical element here. So let's play the clip for you. Since the beginning of this campaign, we've been talking about change. Well, everywhere I go, we've been talking about change. That's been the theme of this campaign. And I, we must be on to something, because I've noticed now everybody's talking about change now. Everybody's talking about change. <laughs> so John McCain, he, he's, over the last couple of days, uh, John McCain has said, <laughs> John McCain has said that uh, change is coming. That's what he says. Now, now think, think about this. This is coming from the party that's been in charge for eight years. They've been running the show. Been up in the White House. John McCain brags, 90% of the time I have voted with George Bush. He and I, we're, we're right there. And suddenly, he's the change agent. <laughs> he says, I'm going to tell those lobbyists that their days of running Washington are over. Who's he going to tell? Is he going to tell his, his campaign chairman, who's one of the biggest corporate lobbyists in Washington? Is he going to tell his campaign manager, who was one of the biggest corporate lobbyists in Washington, is he going to tell all the folks who are running his campaign, who are the biggest corporate lobbyists in Washington? Who, who is it that he's going to tell the change is coming? <laughs> I mean, come on. They must think you're stupid. Now, that's fine. He's missing two critical elements, though. Okay, you say, well, look, he did what you wanted. Uh, but the press isn't covering it enough, so it's not his fault. No, it is his fault. Because his job is to make the press cover it. I, I don't care about what you thought. You did a good job theoretically or not. We need results. We need people to get this message. We need it to be on television. So how do you get that to be on television more? How do you get it covered more? You do two things. One, you make it controversial. Because TV loves controversy. Then they talk about it nonstop. Remember when McCain ran the celebrity ads? They didn't make any sense at all. They charged Barack Obama with being too popular while he's running for president. But it didn't matter. It was so stupid it caused controversy that everybody started talking about it. Next thing you know, I heard about in the streets people saying, oh, I don't know, Obama just seems to be an empty celebrity. Even though that made no sense whatsoever, right? They created controversy or false controversy, however you want to call it, and they got everybody talking about it. 
They control the conversation. Number two, make it personal, man. It's not just his staff. It's not just his campaign manager. It's John McCain who's going to sell you out. It's not an accident that he has all those car of accolades running his campaign. It's not an accident that he has all these lobbyists that are working for him. He's a sellout. He's going to sell out your interests to get elected and so all of his people can get paid. See, Obama never says that. Because, oh no, but we want to be gentle, we want to be above the fray, we want to do a different kind of politics. Different kind of politics, my ass. There's a politics that works and has worked for hundreds of years, and there's a politics that doesn't work, where you just play nice and you play patty cakes and get your ass handed to you. See, because when they go into that booth, they're going to either vote for John McCain or they're going to vote for Barack Obama. They're not going to vote for Charlie Black. They're not going to vote for Rick Davis. They're not going to vote for anybody. They don't know those people, the people that work on McCain's staff. You've got to get them to believe that they cannot pull the lever for John McCain because John McCain is going to sell them out because he is. And the thing here is you've got the truth on your side. Now you've got to have the courage to use it. Just today, John McCain goes on the attack against Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, oh, I can't believe these people, they you know, got these lobbyists, and the lobbyists got them all this money in the bailouts. Who are those lobbyists? It turns out nearly every single person working on the McCain campaign. Look at this. This is from Mother Jones. According to the Senate Lobbying Database, indisputable Senate Lobbying Database, the lobbying firm of Charlie Black, one of McCain's top aides, made at least $820,000 working for Freddie Mac between 99 and 04. The McCain campaign's vice chair, Wayne Berman, and his congressional liaison, John Green, made $1.14 million working on behalf of Fannie Mae for lobbying firm Ogilvy Government Relations. Green made an additional $180,000 from Freddie Mac. Arthur Culverhouse Jr., the VP veteran who helped John McCain select Sarah Palin, earned $80,000 from Fannie Mae in 2003 and 2004 while working for lobbying and law firm of O'Melveny and Myers. In addition, Politico reports that at least 20 McCain fundraisers have lobbied for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, pocketing at least $12.3 million over the last nine years. Why? Because this is how they make money. They don't give a damn about you. And John McCain selected all these people so that they could all get rich. Because they don't give a rat's ass about you. John McCain is going to sell you out. That's how you run a campaign. Thanks for listening, everybody. So as mentioned at the top of the show, there are just a few days left in this year's nomination process for the podcast awards. Uh, we would very much like to be nominated again. It's lots of fun. Uh, get some great publicity, which, you know, we like to think is well-deserved. And uh, and it gives you a chance to, to help us out if, if you like. So uh, the easiest thing for you to do is go to bestoftheleftpodcast.com. They're very easy to follow. Simple instructions on how to nominate the show over at podcastawards.com in the political category. So thanks to everyone who's already done that. Uh, your support is greatly appreciated. And for anyone who hasn't gotten around to it yet, you only have until Tuesday, which is about four days from now. So, um, so check that out. How about the show? We'll love you forever. While you're at the website, while you're at bestoftheleftpodcast.com, why don't you go ahead and make it a twofer and, uh, and check out our listener survey. This is another great thing we have going right now and we will continue to have going. Uh, this is, you know, it's a great way for us to find out who's listening to the show, um, learn a little bit about you and hear what you like and what you don't like about the show and just a place to, you know, give suggestions basically, um, and and don't don't think we don't take those suggestions seriously. I'll give you an example. A, a suggestion came up the other day saying that although this person uh, and they're anonymous by the way, so I don't know who wrote this. Uh, this person, by the way, said that although they didn't mind that uh, the the show had profanity every once in a while, that it was an explicit show occasionally, they didn't mind that. Uh, but the fact that it is that way 
made them not want to listen to the show with kids around, uh, never knowing whether or not profanity was coming up. So, you know, perfectly uh, reasonable uh, request there. Oh, it wasn't even a request. It just said something they didn't particularly like about the show. And, uh, and so I turned that into a request and instituted a new policy that every time, um, hopefully every time, there is anything explicit in the show, I'll just mention at the beginning that it is going to be an explicit show so that you can know right off the bat. You know, we've, we've tried in the past uh, to consistently label the shows as explicit when, when they are. Uh, but of course, not everyone uh, listens in iTunes, where the little explicit label would come up. So, uh, so I will just try to be mentioning that at the beginning of the show, and uh, and now you'll know. So, you know, th- so that's just a quick example of of how suggestions came into the show, and it changed how we do things. You can do the same by uh, by filling out our listener survey, and uh, and it, you know, it's it's going to help the show and uh, and help us make it better, basically. And finally, I would just like it noted for the record that this show has been produced, my voice is being recorded, and this episode will be posted uh, on the evening of the first presidential debate between Barack Obama and John McCain. Uh, That is, if it actually happens. Of course, there's a big kerfuffle going on right now with John McCain suspending his campaign uh, due to the Wall Street crisis. And, And so I just wanted it noted for the record that uh, times being as hard as they are and the country going through you know, the struggle that it is, uh, we have made the, the decision internally here to not suspend the show in reaction to the Wall Street crisis. I know that you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of people have, uh, have decided to suspend everything they're doing and, uh, and pretty much shut down, but we, on the other hand, will carry on. So that'll be it for today. We'll post this show and hopefully uh, enjoy a good debate tonight and uh, speak to all of you again next week. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the border and conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay and this has been the Best of the Left Podcast coming to you from bestofthelefpodcast.com. Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who'll take you out